Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. It's NHL Trade Deadline Day on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Brought to you by Touchback Safety, open for all of your training needs. With in-depth discussion and analysis, here's Bob Stoffer. 12.35 in Edmonton. We're about 25 minutes away from the uh, deadline being ended. Now, often there's trades in the trade queue that uh, take place for at least another hour after. Uh, we're 11 to 2 live today. We'll tell you that guests and orders now receive gift certificates from Roos Chris Steakhouse. Roos Chris is open for takeout and delivery through DoorDash. Maggie Taylor and Chef Altoff will take care of you at Roos Chris. They're open Wednesday through Sunday uh, from... Uh, 4 p.m. until close. And again, is Roos Chris Steakhouse. It's the greatest steak you've ever had. All right. Uh, in this next half hour block, we're moving some bodies around here, but Louis DeBrusque is going to be kind enough to join us in 23 seconds time. And Ken Danico, longtime New Jersey Devils broadcaster, former star of the Southside Athletic Club from Edmonton here in town to tell us about the Oilers' latest acquisition, uh, Dmitry Kulikov. Our Oilers now headliner today. On uh, trade deadline day coverage is brought to you by Wilhawk Beef Jerky. It just might be the best you've ever tasted. Search for Wilhawk, W-I-L-H-A-U-K today. And we are pleased to be joined on the line by Louis DeBrusque for about the next seven minutes. Louis, how are you doing? Doing well today, Bob. How are you doing? Are you uh, navigating through all the trade um, talk and things that are going on? Yeah, I, yeah, absolutely. Let's get an initial thought for you. Uh, your thought, first of all, on the Oilers' acquisition of Dmitry Kulikov and uh, maybe where he might end up playing. Yeah, you know, listen, there's no question. I know that uh, there's been a lot of conversation this year in the back end of Edmonton trying to solidify that, um, especially due to the injuries that they have suffered there and the fact they're using young defensemen and rotating through. Um, guys like Jones, Lagason, we've seen Ethan Baird, um, you know, kind of shuffle around in some different positions. Um, Evan Bouchard's played some games as well. But, you know, listen, Kulikov's a veteran defenseman, so he kind of gives them that that experience back there they've been looking for. He's played over 700 games. You know, for me, when I watch Kulikov, you know, he's not a guy that's necessarily going to dazzle you and what he does out there, but he's consistent in his game. And what I mean by that is if you look at everywhere that he's played, you know, Winnipeg was probably the one place that he played the least amount of minutes on a very deep defensive team, especially for the first two years he was there. Um, but he's a 20-minute guy. He's a 20-minute-plus guy, and he can eat a lot of minutes. So he's one of those silent minute eaters that can log a lot of minutes, play in all situations, but especially on the defensive side of the game. So I kind of look at him potentially sitting in that three-hole. I do. He could potentially be paired with Larson. That's one spot you could put him. You could move Russell down to the third pairing, um, which is where I think he's probably more – it's beneficial more for, for – for Russell in that regard, but you can also put uh, Kulikov in your bottom two as well. He can play right, he can play left, um, so he's a versatile guy in that regard, and um, if you look over the course of his career, he's played in different positions with different players, with offensive players, with defensive players, 
I think he's just one of those guys that's reliable. I think that's why Ken Holland made the deal to have that depth on defense and a guy you can plug right into the lineup. All right. Well, last night the uh, Boston Bruins made the biggest noise, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, we're going to cue Brendan Escott uh, up here after the uh, Louis interview uh, concludes. But uh, Taylor Hall, uh, Taylor Hall acquired uh, by Boston, and that could actually change some things for Jake DeBrusque, your son, as well. But just your thought of the dimension that uh, T. Hall might give uh, Boston and, and the acquisition cost to me, not a, a second round draft choice, uh, along obviously with Anders Bjork going the other way. It's a no-brainer to me. You know, I, you know, the price itself I just baffles me to be honest, but um, listen, you're getting a player that, uh, you know, we know very well here in Edmonton. We've seen what he can do on the ice over the years and how explosive he can be. It hasn't been a great year for Taylor Hall. It hasn't been a great year for the Buffalo Sabres. So I think this will be a situation I'm predicting that it will ignite him. He's going to a solid team. He's going to a team that's had success, uh, which will be very motivating for him as an unrestricted free agent at the end of the year. And, yeah, you know what? Listen, he certainly fills a need. This is a team, Boston, that hasn't been able to put up five-on-five scoring. Um, That's right through their lineup, with the exception of Marshawn and Bergeron. And Pasternak, as of late, hasn't really lit up five-on-five as well either. They really struggle to generate um, even strength. So Taylor Hall is one of those players that can drive play. Uh, which is very necessary, and we'll see where he slots into the lineup. I'm not sure exactly where he's going to go. I know he's predominantly been a left winger. I don't think he can play the right side or doesn't play right side very often for sure, but uh, it just adds to their depth. They've got a very deep forward group in Boston now if they're able to keep it together, if there aren't any more moves. I know there's still lots of discussions out there, but we'll see what happens here in the last bit of this trade deadline, and if they get healthy in the back end, I think they become a really formidable team. They've got they've got four of their top defensemen out of the lineup right now. They get healthy, get back into the mix down the stretch. Um, then you put a team together along with Tuka Rask, who looks like he's going to be coming back from injury soon as well. So it's coming together, and sometimes when you have guys that are coming off injury, it's almost like acquiring new players at the deadline. That's why a lot of general managers, I think, don't necessarily want to make too many moves because they know the guys are going to be coming back into the lineup. And I think this year also why it's been a little bit slower, Bob, is just the expansion draft next year. There's teams that are they have a lot of homework they have to do to make sure they're prepared for that and taking on contracts and bodies it's it's not as easy as it used to be with number one the salary cap the way it is and number two the expansion draft next year so hasn't been as active as i thought it was going to be but as you did say coming into this segment things can happen in a hurry once deals start to get closed off and a lot of times there's residual trades that are uh, announced after the, the deadline's done yeah, well, we'll have to wait and see what happens in uh, that regard. Louis, did you, uh, what was, during your time as an Oiler or later uh, perhaps in the National Hockey League uh, with Tampa Bay or theoretically with Arizona or Phoenix, I guess, at that time, was there one trade that you kind of specifically remember that got made on trade deadline day that was very um, emotional? Like for me as a broadcaster, when Ryan Smith, actually with uh, Phoenix in town uh, back in 2007, uh, 
the Ryan Smith trade was one that rankled a lot of the fans. And, of course, as we all know, Ryan Ryan's camp had sort of indicated not once but twice they were going to extend uh, in Edmonton with a long-term extension and then decided, no, we need more money. And ultimately the Oilers uh, moved him to the New York Islanders for uh, what amounted to a couple prospects and a first-round pick. But from your end, was there a deal you recall that had the boys going, wow, or uh, talking about on trade deadline day uh, during your playing days? You know, to be honest with you, off the top of my head, I just remember Kirk Maltby. You know, I, I, that was back when we didn't have the internet, we didn't have cell phones. It wasn't something that we could really see over the waves of what was happening. Nothing had really been done by Slats, but we knew something was going to be done. And I believe we were in Pittsburgh. We were in Pittsburgh actually, and we pulled up to the hotel, and that's when. Maltz was told that he was going to the Detroit Ribbons and went on to win four Stanley Cups. So I don't think it was a bad trade for Kirk. But you know, it's. Uh, but you know what? Like the thing is, back then it was just such a. You know, guys wouldn't answer their phones in the hotel rooms. It was like, oh, when you hear the phone ring, it was like it didn't matter who you were. It was a little bit of you know the hair in the back of your neck went up, and you're wondering, is this the time? Am I getting dealt somewhere? Because. To be honest with you, not a lot of players want to get traded. You know, so it's it's it is a nerve wracking time for players, and even in tough situations with teams that aren't playing very well, you develop a real bond with the players you're playing with. But that's one that sticks out just because it was last second, and we thought maybe everybody had survived and gotten through the trade deadline. I do remember though, Jamie Rivers got traded to the Arizona Phoenix Coyotes at the time that I was doing radio there in my three years doing radio. <laughs> the reason why I remember it though is because he got there late, he showed up late into the game. Like it was like five or seven minutes into the first yep. period when he jumped on the ice, he jumped over the boards, they put him on the game sheet, he jumped over the boards. Did a little button hook one way, a little button hook the other way, and stayed on the ice for his first shift, and actually played really well. You know, I, I just I look at that and go, you know what? That's pretty incredible to travel all day to get there to jump into the lineup. Um, I thought he did a real great job stepping in there. But that's some of the crazy stuff that happens, you know, around the deadline when players are shuffling, jumping into new organizations, just depending on the situation of the team. Sometimes guys have to step in right away because they need bodies and. It's a crazy time. It really is. And I know that the players settle after the trade deadline and typically really start to grind in from teams that are trying to make the playoffs or teams that are in the playoffs. I think there'll be an elevation because everybody can just settle and understand this is the team that's going to be for the rest of the year. And there's a real calming sense to that that allows people just to yeah. go out there and play and work hard. Louis, uh, Sam Bennett, uh, multiple reports saying traded to the Florida Panthers. It's an interesting one. Uh, we are, yeah. uh, we appreciate the time. We'll hook up on Thursday, but, uh, we're going to go actually back into our orders now. Audio vault at this time. Taylor Hall did do an availability. This is interesting because he says he'd like to re-sign in Boston. Yeah. No, I'd, I'd love to, I'd love to be a Bruin for a few years. Um, it's obviously been a, it's been a bad year for me personally, and um, I, I need to, I need to play well. I need to, um, I need to contribute, and and most of all, I want to be a part of a team that wins games, and um, I really believe that we can do that here. All right, there you go. Uh, that is Taylor Hall talking about uh, the potential in Boston. Elliot Friedman reporting Eric Gustafson has been moved to the Montreal Canadiens as well. We'll continue our. Uh, 
ongoing. Uh, that's, he was with, uh, where was Gustafson last? Philadelphia. Uh, finished with the Flames last season after putting up a 60-point season with Chicago. When we come back, Ken Danico out of New Jersey to talk about Dmitry Kulikov. You're listening to Oilers Now coverage of the NHL trade deadline. It's NHL Trade Deadline Day, brought to you by Touchback Safety. Exclusive coverage on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad, with Bob Stoffer. Uh, Pierre Lebrun reporting from The Athletic in TSN that Sam Bennett is going from Calgary to Florida for a uh, second-round draft choice as well as a prospect, uh, Elliot Friedman, saying that Eric Gustafson had a huge year a couple of years ago with the uh, Chicago Blackhawks, got moved to Calgary last year, signed with the Flyers. Uh, Gustafson's Bears really come on of late for Philly, and uh, they ended up uh, flipping Gustafson to the Montreal Canadiens. Interesting trade there. Earlier today, the Edmonton Oilers acquired Dmitry Kulikov. This always happens when Edmonton makes a trade. We go to Ken Danico, former Southside Athletic Club legend, longtime NHLer, uh, winner of uh, three Stanley Cups with the New Jersey Devils. He's worked on their broadcast forever, does some work on the NHL Network. The Oilers before got Adam Larson. Now they got Dmitry Kulikov. Lo and behold, it could be Kulikov and Larson together. We welcome back to the show, Ken Danico. Ken, it's Bob. How are you doing? I'm good, Bob. How are you on this busy day? Uh, It's busy. Uh, I think we're going to end up with 12 guests over a three-hour span, so we're doing all right. Here we go. Uh, You've watched Kulikov play, and he's played a lot for the Devils this year. He's playing 19 minutes a game. Tell us, uh, Oiler fans, about what Edmonton's getting in the acquisition with Dmitry Kulikov. Well, first off, Bob, I mean, obviously you guys saw him somewhat with Winnipeg, but he stayed healthy. And I will say he was a lot better than I anticipated when the Devils did sign him. I know a young team that's been through some struggles up and downs, but he was a real steady influence back there and and very strong on the boards. We know come playoff time, you got to win puck battles. You have to have a strong stick. And it's funny you mentioned Larson. I didn't know how your D lined up, but I said it could be a pretty nice shot pair with Adam Larson, two guys that are – Big, strong, can kill penalties, and he skates well enough to to play against top players. So I think I think it's a real good acquisition for the Oilers uh, where they are. And again, I, I preface: we come playoff time, as you know, Bob. The ice shrinks a little bit. The game gets a little more physical as far as battles, and guys pay the price a little more, and guys hit a little more that maybe didn't in the past. And Kulikov's that type of player. Not flashy, steady, but he skates pretty well for a big man uh, also. So I, 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 I like the trade for Edmonton from that standpoint. And, again, he did a really nice job here in New Jersey, much better than I even anticipated. It's funny because that organization is a heavy analytics-driven uh, organization. Tyler Dello, who worked for the Oilers, has been in a sort of a, a VP of analytics role for the last couple of years there. His numbers were really good. Like, I mean, you know, he... For, he Especially in defense of them. Yeah, and, and that's what I mean. Like, he started a lot of D-zone starts. You mentioned the physicality because when the Oilers... Uh, it, it, look, you get this, Ken. You were a, a big physical tough defenseman when you play. The Oilers, for several games now, have gone with the following four defensemen. Tyson Berry, Chris Russell, Caleb Jones, and Ethan Bear. That's a small defense, even when you have Darnell Nurse and, and Adam Larson. Um, and, and I don't think that 
Kulikov's huge, but he's got some pop, doesn't he? Yeah, no, he definitely does. You know, he, he, he's plenty strong enough. He's a, a big guy that, that doesn't get bounced off the puck, and that's what I mean by winning battles. We know the game's evolved. We know it's changed. It's not about bone-crushing hits every night, but uh, he finishes his checks, and, and like I said, he, he doesn't lose a lot of puck battles, and, and that's what I was really impressed with uh, as a member of the New Jersey Devils. So I think you're getting a real good piece of depth defenseman. We always talk about you can't have enough Good defensemen, certainly sometimes simpler is better. And, and if he brings that type of game uh, to the Oilers, and especially come playoff time, I, I think it's going to be a valuable asset. There's no question in my mind. And you mentioned the analytics, and, and not that I completely think that's the end-all, be-all, but I do have gotten more involved in it and look at those numbers. And, and he, he had strong analytical numbers as well, so that bodes well. Uh, for the Oilers, uh, certainly, and, and it's going to be interesting to see how he fits in there, how he plays for the Oilers, but I think it's a good opportunity for him as well. I really liked him personally. I liked him, uh, what he brought to a young Devils team, and, and again, I used steady influence, and that's what he was in the back end. All right, one final one for you. It's amazing how the mighty have fallen. I mean, New Jersey, I was led to believe, was was willing to offer Taylor Hall a multi-year extension. Uh Taylor got moved to Arizona. He was going to explore the market, and then the whole world collapsed with the pandemic. And now just a second-round pick. There's still a player there. I mean, there's a chance Boston hits a home run, isn't there, Ken? You watch Taylor all play a lot. Yeah, I, I would hope so, but uh, obviously it's wait and see because he certainly didn't do a whole lot in Buffalo. Had a real tough time scoring goals. I know he still picked up a few assists here and there. He's more of a a uh, distributor, I would say, in general. He did score 39 goals for the Devils when he had the Hart Trophy season, and he was dominant. And I don't know where that guy has gone, really. Uh, I wish Taylor the best. I hope he can revive his career. And timing is everything, Bob. I mean, uh, I've told players many times, uh, young guys, sometimes you, you get influenced by agents or whatever it may be, you say, well, I, I certainly can get more in the open market. I'm coming off a big year, but sometimes there's something to be said about signing a deal and being happy with it, even if it's a million or two less per season than you maybe want. And obviously timing because of the pandemic and the landscape and the salary cap being flat for however long, we don't know. But uh, I wish Taylor, you know, we all like Taylor. I, I wish him the best. I hope he finds his game again in Boston because it's certainly – hasn't been where it was with the Devils, and sometimes it's fit, right? I mean, for whatever reason, he was a dominant player in New Jersey, and it was a nice fit for Taylor Hall, and sometimes the team is as good a fit as the player is for the team, and we've seen that time and time again when guys leave organizations, not just ours or different teams, but it's about fit at times, and he was a nice fit, and I hope he can find his game in Boston. He'll get a great opportunity. Ken, I recall we went to you the day the trade went down uh, for Adam Larson, and I'm just going to pass along. It's my belief that Ryan Nugent Hopkins and Adam Larson both will be signed to extensions when it's all said and done. I know they're UFAs, but Adam's had a good bounce-back season. He's been uh, really solid despite having multiple left-shot partners, and I could see him getting a three- or four-year deal uh, done here uh, with Edmonton. So, uh, you know, you said there was a strong defensive-minded uh, shutdown presence there with Larson, and we've seen it this year. Yeah, and I know he he went through some 
struggles last season, Bob, certainly, and that was yeah. actually surprising. I know injuries was part of it, but Adam Larson's a good kid, uh, plays the game the right way, plays hard. So I'm glad to see that he, he has uh, played uh, much better and bounce back type of season that you talked about. You can't have enough of those guys, especially, again, come playoff time. As we know, the more the game changes, the more it stays the same when we get to the playoffs. <laughs> there we go. Ken, hey, thanks for joining us on short notice. Enjoy the day. We'll touch base down the road. Good luck, Bob. Take care, pal. Always a pleasure. You bet. That's Ken Danico, of course, former uh, Southside Athletic Club graduate out of uh, Edmonton here, played uh, hard-nosed defenseman in the Western Hockey League. we got to squeeze Cam Moon in for three minutes on a busy, busy day of lots of guests. Cam, welcome to our uh, 630 Chat Oilers Now coverage of the NHL trade deadline day. I know you've been listening. Uh, there's lots going on as we speak. Um Give me your thoughts on uh, Kulikov's acquisition. I think it's an astute move. It adds size. It adds uh, some experience. And it, and it adds a, a guy that can play well in his own end as well as play on the PK. And for a, a relatively inexpensive price, that helps the team for sure. It uh, gives them more options on the left side. Uh, you know, probably puts Chris Russell, bumps him down, but puts him in, a, in still a very good spot where he can be successful. So I like it. I, I like how many guests you're ripping in here today, too. Like, you, you might set a league record at your pace. Well, we're uh, we're going hard, and uh, we're trying to make it happen. Uh, what move has surprised you the most, Cam? Well, I would have thought that, that Taylor Hall would have went for more than he did. It'd be for more. Um, that would probably be the, the most surprising of of the whole thing. Really, I just I would have expected a little better return. I know he's had a tough year. Hey, let's call it call it what it is. He's had a a tough season for sure. But, but you know what the body of work is prior to that, and, and know how good he can be. So you know, I don't know all the the inner dealings that went on in behind the scenes, but uh, you'd like to think that there might have been a, a better, you know, a little bit more on the table somewhere. Maybe there wasn't. Biggest block day, uh, blockbuster acquisition day for you. Spent 22 years in the Red Deer Rebels organization. Who was the best player that uh, Brent Sutter and company brought in with Rebel, uh, with the Rebels over the years? Would have been Memorial Cup season when Martin Erat came from the Saskatoon Blades and uh, he got hurt right away, but came back before the end of the regular season and led the WHL in scoring that year on their way to a WHL and then a Memorial Cup championship. And uh, was that the deal at Justin Wallen? Was the 20-year-old that was moved yep. back uh, yep. and he ended up... Did Brent not use him as a sort of a, a third assistant coach during the Memorial Cup run? Yes, he, became, he came back. So Justin, there was a lot of moving parts in the deal. And unfortunately, yep. Justin Wallen had to go the other way because a 20-year-old was coming to Red Deer. They had to move a 20-year-old to them, which unfortunately was Justin, who was a, a great player and a great person and played for the U of A Bears. Uh, he came back as an assistant coach 
in the playoffs because the Blades didn't make the postseason that year. Yep. And uh, became part of a very good uh, three-on-three coaches versus the scratches at the morning skate team. Too. <laughs> well, that's, that's always important as well. Great stuff, Cam. <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll talk uh, again. Uh, Cam's appearance is brought to you by our friends at Brent Ridge Ford out in Wetaskiwin. It's currently 1258 in Edmonton. Off to a global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell. We're going to uh, circle back, have uh, Reed Wilkins join us at 105. Mark Spector, sports spec for the horses and horse racing Alberta. John Shannon and Rob Brown as well. The uh, deadline is about to close in a minute. However, because of how trade calls work, there's still going to be trades coming in over the next 40 minutes. This is uh, Oilers Now, NHL trade deadline day coverage. Off to a global news weather traffic update. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.